Hey now, and welcome to Where Wine Takes You, episode number 21. Look at us, all 21 episodes deep in this. I love it. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. And thank you for sharing the podcast and telling a friend about it. Remember that top 20 list of top wine podcasts by Feedspot? Well, we have moved up two spots. That's not like Casey Kasem. Moving up two spots this week is the Where Wine Takes You podcast. We did move. We moved up two spots to number 14. This is so cool because I think we can get in that top 10. The number one podcast is actually the Wine Enthusiast podcast. And I tell you, I think we can take them. So please continue to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. All three of those mean so much to getting these algorithm elves to go into overdrive and just share the love of Paso in this very deserving destination to any and everyone that loves good wine and good people. Been a few weeks since I read some comments. Got a few here. Love to read yours as well. Check it out. Frolicker559 says, I found this podcast from a Facebook group called Passerobles Wine Fanatics. I'm familiar with the area as I live in the 559. I've been wine tasting in Paso and Edna Valley numerous times. The first episode featured my favorite winery and winemaker, Janelle Ducey of J. Ducey. I love her too. I've personally seen her driving a forklift and getting her hands dirty at the winery when I've been there for tastings. That is true. She gets down and dirty, no doubt. I love the insider knowledge that I've gotten about how these winemakers all help each other out, as well as how they got their starts. The stories and knowledge this podcast imparts is really awesome. Thank you for putting something interesting into the pod waves. There is only so much true crime pods a girl can take. True that. Thanks a lot, Frolicker559. Chucker58, my wife and I have been traveling to Paso for about five years, joined a dozen wine clubs, and just bought a second home there. Thought we knew a lot about Paso, but now realize we were only looking at a sketch of Paso. Adam is coloring in the picture for us with every episode. Well done, Adam. Chuck, that is a quite a compliment. Thank you very, very much. A Fosto copy. Adam does a great job of entertaining and educating. He has a wealth of wine knowledge. Damn, I didn't know that. Especially regarding Paso, I really enjoy the conversational style of interviewing. And finally, M. Tabiri, 39. I moved to Paso a little over a year ago and found this podcast shortly thereafter. It's the best podcast on the lifeblood of Paso, the food and the wine. Adam is an amazing host, and listening to the show is like going to a wine tasting with your closest friends. Bravo. Now that is another great compliment. I love when you feel comfortable, when you feel like you are right here with me, because to me, you are. Now, at the end of the show, I'm going to share more about this uh, wine auction we have happening for Paso Wine Fest, because the lots, man, they're insane. You can get a sneak peek. Go check out PasoWine.com. But one of our guests on today's show has a lot in there, and they will talk about some of the amenities, and it is definitely worth a listen and a bid, if you ask me. More on that later. But today's episode, we go beyond the tasting room. We have shown you in past episodes that wineries here now are getting into offering more opportunities to do a lot more than just taste wine, but ways to really enjoy and take home memories from Paso that are far beyond wine tasting. Today, you're going to hear about guests talk about wedding venues, archery, light shows, e-bikes through the vineyards, swim up pool bars. What? No joke. I just said a swim up pool bar. Damn. I'm very excited to talk to both these folks today, and I picked two friends of mine that are not that far from each other. You can actually visit them both in an afternoon, and it ain't no thing. Later in the episode, we're going to visit my friends at Rava Wines. They have mastered the bubbly. I love their sparkling wines. And yes, I said wines because they make many sparklings. They have a breathtaking property that they love sharing with their fans for tasting, events, strolls, and more. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Lauren and Chad Rava in just a bit. First, we go to Cass Wines. Now, both these wineries, they're on what they call the Backroads Wine Trail because they are a few minutes off the freeway and off the main roads, but the rolling hills and the 360-degree beauty makes these destinations that much more special and totally worth 
the extra few minutes, you got a chance to listen to this podcast to get you there. Cass is really something. Steve Cass and Ted Plemons started Cass a couple decades ago. The story is fantastic, but I'm going to save that for Steve. He does a lot better sharing it than I ever could. We'll talk about their award-winning wines, their cafe, which is, I think, a destination in and of itself. The food is so good. And some of the new additions to Cass, like an eight-room B&B made entirely of shipping containers. Yeah, that sit above the vineyards, offering views in every direction. I show up to Cass and find Steve, one of the owners, pouring wine for some customers behind the tasting counter. Not uncommon in Paso, which is so cool. We head to their wine library, a classy room lined in beautiful wood and adorned with bottles from vintages old and young. So give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is Camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Cheers, my friend, Steve Cass. Nice to see you again, Adam. Good to see you. How you been? Been really good. It's been a crazy year, as everybody knows. Oh, yeah. We don't need to repeat that again. Right. (laughs) But but it kind of feels good coming out of it. As I just mentioned before we went on air, um, just came back out of San Diego and Los Angeles, the wine club parties, loaded the place up, more more than 100 people at each place, had the right social distance and everything, but people are not afraid to come out anymore. That's great to hear. they're so, so happy to be out again. Yeah. I'm sure they were really happy to see you. Like, like, a lot, you know, a lot of like, people have been in my wine club eight, nine, ten years, yeah. and I haven't seen them for a year and a half now. What was that like with that keeping, making sure that relationship stayed tight? Because I know, obviously, Sterling, your winemaker, Chanda, your whole team, things were rolling. Even though things were crazy, things were still rolling. But with you and Ted, what type of things did you and Ted, what were you thinking about doing to make sure that those cast fans just f- still felt you as close as ever? We sold them a lot of wine at extremely good discounts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. That will do it. I mean, we, it. we had the wine available, and it wasn't really moving out of the tasting room. Yeah. And I'd rather sell it to my wine club people at extreme discounts rather than give it to the distributors at the more extreme discounts. Yeah, that's a good point, because the distributors, I mean, they even had an issue, too, because their, uh, their uh, on-premise was, you know, Terrible. busted. Right. Dead, dead, yeah. Right. And we're, we're more of an on-premise winery. We mm-hmm. sell more of our wines through restaurants than we do the uh, takeout places. Yeah, like a wine bar or something right, like that, or right. a wine shop, I should say. So, um, but you guys have a very strong, what they call that DTC, that direct-to-consumer relationship. So, you know, I've talked to a lot of wineries who, as far as like a bottom line, like COVID wasn't all that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've got a strong relationship directly to your customers, you did really well to do during all this. Uh, for us... Uh, the weddings were dead. Yeah. The pr- large private events were dead. The um, on-premise distribution was dead. But the tasting room, because we have a restaurant license, so we were allowed to uh, for takeout. And we got uh, in our new building, the new barrel room, a massive, large veranda up there. We, we did a really good tasting room business. So the tasting room saved our butts. That's so cool. You know, we're in your library, which is just beautiful. I have a funny story about this library. I know Ted knows it. I'm not sure you do. But I was here doing a Cork Dorks episode years ago, and we played the wine game. Remember the wine game? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I beat Ted. And the, <laughs> what I got to do was I got to pick a bottle of wine mm-hmm. out of here. So I picked, it was, I remember it was over there. It was an 08 Cab Franc, which you don't make those often. And, and that's been gone ever since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I probably took the last one. So I had this 08 Cab Franc. I couldn't wait to open it. Saved it for just the right occasion. I was doing a, a Cork Dork show with a Master Sommelier Brian McClintock from the Saw movie and Raj Parr from the Saw movie. And just Raj Parr, you know, he's just an extremely well-known and well-respected uh, voice and name in wine. And um, he tasted us on, you know, his Sandy wines and some cool stuff. And Brian bought some cool stuff. And this was my cool wine to bring. And I planned to, and I know we're all tasting because we're all like, you know, we're not just like throwing them back. It's all respectful and stuff. So I knew, you know, I'd probably open it up and then, you know, maybe finish it that night. Mm-hmm. And... um those guys jacked the wine. Like, <laughs> I had a few sips of it. We had a little bit. I didn't know I had like three quarters of a bottle of that 08 Cab Franc. And then there's, uh, you know, as Roger's picking up all the wines, he picks up that one. And I didn't want to say anything, but you know, like these times you don't speak up. And I'm like, ah, oh, so there, there goes my wine. 
And so I had a few sips of it. It was beautiful. Well, that's a nice compliment. Yeah, it was a beautiful compliment. Yeah, but it was, it was also a beautiful bottle of wine, as you guys are no stranger to. And we're going to talk about that dynamic here because the wine here is always getting better. You guys aren't afraid. Sterling, your winemaker, is not afraid to, you know, see where your wines stand up mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, in their backyard, in in contests and awards and competitions, things like that. But then it pays off. I mean, you guys have won Winery of the Year two times in, in I think, three years, right? Sterling's are three, three times. Three, three times. Yeah, wow. Okay, but we're not, not eligible the year after you win. Oh, okay. So, you, so, you, so, so we've won three years out of the last, I think it's seven. Yeah. But we're only eligible four years of the last seven. Wow. So every year, we almost every year, yeah, we've almost been eligible. Almost every other won. year. Yeah. That's incredible. So- yeah, Sterling's a great winemaker. <laughs> yeah, he's doing some good stuff. You guys, uh, you know, we've talked to places that maybe consider themselves Rhone houses or Bordeaux houses. When you talk to folks about the wine of Cass, what type of wine do you say you make here? We've talked about ourselves being a, a Rhone house for quite a long time now, from the beginning. Uh, all of our Rhone varieties are Antav varieties, and it's kind of a long, geeky story. I know you've heard it before, Adam. I'll try to give an executive summary. But there is an organization in France called Antav, E-N-T-A-V, uh, Enological National Technique, the Amelioration of Viticulture, which is the Department for the Improvement of Grape Growing Practices. So they put all of their varieties through a testing process out in the vineyard for, a, I think it's five years, if I remember properly, and they pull out anything that isn't growing consistently. So it breaks bud early or late, it comes out. If it's got a super heavy crop or a super light crop, it comes out. If it's virused in any way, it comes out. So by the end of the year, or five years, everything that's growing there breaks bud at the same time, carries approximately the same crop load. Some uniformity there. So when you're ready to pick, you know, we, we test the grapes all, all throughout the block, and we're looking for an average, in, in our case, 24 and a half bricks. Some people pick higher, some lower. That's, that's our number, 24 and a half. But you want the range to be, twenty in my case, 24 and a quarter to 24 and three quarters, not 22 to 28. Right. So if you suitcase over your vines from other parts of the world and say well, Cabernet is Cabernet and you put it all in one big block, you're going to get 22 to 28 because you got quarter ounce clusters and you got 12 ounce clusters and they're going to average 24 and a half. But the 22 is not good wine. The 28 is not good wine. And just because they average sugar wise does not give you good wine. So I, I think we give Sterling a great opportunity for success by giving him really good fruit. That's a great point. You can't make great wine without great fruit. It just doesn't work that way. The greatest winemakers that I know in this area have told me that. Matt Trevison, who yeah. made my wines before we opened, he says, I might be able to improve a wine a little bit, but if I get lousy grapes, it's going to be lousy wine. And there's not much I can do about it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Matt Trevison, of course, from Lenny Coloto, just like, you know, rock star winemaker here mm. in Paso. One thing I wanted to get across in this episode is the value of an experience. And we, you and I and Chanda were talking before we jumped on the air about um, the millennial buyer, the, some of the younger demographics and the way they buy, which I think has even spilled over. Now, I'm Gen X, and I am more cognizant of how I buy, not just what I buy, but how I buy. What is the process? Where, where is it coming from? You know, these kind of questions. And also, you know, far more than just, and believe me, I've bellied up to your bar, you know, probably for the last 10 years. But now, the way you guys have evolved, the way Paso has evolved, it's so much more than just bellying up to a tasting room bar, the experience is really key. Let's talk about the, the horseback riding experience first. And yeah. We'll talk about the others. But uh, there's a, a local company, Central Coast Trail Rides, Brian and Crystal, beautiful people. Um, they've got like 25 totally trail broke horses. So they came to me like two years ago and said, you know, we lost the lease on our property out in um, Creston area, and we're looking for a place to set up to take people on our trail rides. Well, for that, us, that was perfect. In all the years before that, we'd allowed all the local people that have owned their own horses to come here and ride, and we've asked them to sign a, a, a waiver of liability. And I, I've got a pile of waivers. It has to be 500 of them over the years. So when people visit and they say, I want to ride a horse, I say, well, sorry, you got to have your own horse. Yeah. <laughs> then Brian and Crystal come along and, whoa, this is perfect. This is yeah. Manna from heaven. So we get. You're one of the only winers in the beginning where, like, you would encourage people to, like, park your yeah. horse out and taste it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wild. Cool. Well, some people worry, well, what about insurance? And so, 
that that's why you buy insurance, right? If, if you're going to pay those insurance premiums, you might as well put a little tiny bit of risk out there. Yeah. For and nothing's ever happened. Nothing's sure, sure. ever happened. Yeah. yeah. No, it's wonderful, and, and their horses are so trail broke. They can put children on them. They can put older people on them. And they take them up in the hills behind the vineyard. So you're at 200 feet in elevation above the vineyard, and the horse has to do that climb up the hill. And you're riding the horse. You're not walking that hill yourself. That's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Just riding super flat to me is a little bit boring but when the horse is climbing or swimming or going steeply downhill and you're on top of the horse that makes you feel like you're sort of a semi-cowboy that's so cool <laughs> that's how that's how the west was won right there that's so cool so the horseback riding is a thing but i mean even from the beginning i mean i've you know Jeffrey from Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue. He got married here. I remember being at his wedding. So you guys have done. I, I almost hired him as my chef about twelve years ago. Is that right? He, he and Jacob got into a little competition. Yeah, uh, they're good friends. You know, they're very good and remained good friends afterwards. Sure. And we ended up going with Jacob instead of Jeffrey. But Jeffrey still helped out all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so cool. But I mean, you, you the events that you've done here, whether it's the Ted's Taco Bar or the dinners. I mean, having a good experience and, and walking away from Cass has always with with a big heart and a, a good feeling and a good. Memory memory has always been really important to you and Ted. Well, when we put in the B&B, our new B&B, which is manufactured out of shipping containers, we wanted it to be eight rooms. Uh, in the county, if it's nine rooms or larger, it's a small hotel. If it's eight rooms or smaller, it's a B&B. But they don't normally approve the eight-room version, and they were battling me a little bit on it. Um, and they said, well, why does it have to be eight rooms? Well, we can you know spread the fixed cost over more rooms, and in the long run, maybe have better chance of financial success. Uh, but the, at the end, they approved it because we committed to doing a farm education program. And we were planning to do it anyway, but now we just committed to it. Yeah. So we, we have a really nice harvest experience. It's like a three-day experience where people come in and they help to pick the grapes. They help to stomp the grapes. They observe how we do the pressing and all that stuff. And we, we, and we make it fun for them. We send them home with wine. It's almost like going, going like to a dude ranch and becoming like a, you know, like you said, like a cowboy. Now you're coming, becoming a winemaker for a few days. But we, we added some other cool stuff to it. We, we have a beekeeping experience now. So I've got three or four beehives and we're adding more and we show people how to open up a, a hive uh, how wow. to manage the honeycomb how to if you want to start your own hive how to do that um we we've been working with a local olive oil company groves on 41 yes groves on <laughs> 41 you, i know jennifer and her mom yeah so they, they help us with the brining or the pressing uh, and olive oil and they pick the olives themselves um, we're looking at doing some uh, sort of high-end gardening we've hired a woman that's just graduated from cal poly with a degree and master gardening and she's going to help people understand you know how, how to do high-end backyard gardens that where the garden will do really well for you that's cool so we're keep adding things as we come up with it's new ideas so much more than tasting wine and a lot of the things that you're adding on don't even necessarily have to do with wine i mean you know you're talking about bees i mean we'll talk about archery in a second but if you you dive in with the b&b you can really you know take a deep breath stay here on the property for a couple of days and check it out you mentioned the B&B is made up of like shipping containers. I mean, there you, what you did with these shipping containers is unreal. Which you've probably seen on the highway a million times. Shipping containers are typically eight foot wide, uh, 20 foot long. Each room is two of them. And it's separated by a, a clear story, like a high constructed area right between them. So each room is 40 by four, uh, 20 by 20, 400 square feet. And there's a really nice deck that overlooks the vineyard. So in the beginning, we thought we would have people uh, have a communal breakfast out on the deck by the office. Uh, but of course, you got to get dressed if yeah. you're going to go out into public. Fair, fine. And, and, and on some mornings, it might be a little cool. Yes. So, But because of the virus, this is the one, one good thing for us. Because of, the, because of the virus, we had to serve in their room. Oh, wow. And they sit on the deck, uh, elevated up about... 12 or 15 feet above the vineyard, looking out over this 150-acre vineyard. And, and when you make your reservation, you have to tell us what you want. So it's not buffet style. So our chef, Chef Charlie, he's, you know Chef Charlie. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's catered in this area for 20 years or more. He's yeah. cooked for 50 years. So he comes up with five super high-end breakfast entrees, and he offers two different ones every day. So if you stay for multiple days, you're not seeing the same thing, and we bring it to your room, and we tell you what time it's going to show up. 
Wow, so you'd be so, like, oh, you know, 8.30, boom. You don't have to change out of your jammies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The B&B is really inexperienced. And if somebody wants to come here, because you guys have always been a destination mm-hmm. property because you are a little bit out mm-hmm. there. I mean, you it's a, a definite, deliberate decision to come out to You cast. don't accidentally find us. True. But the, the, is that what, why you and Ted and the team were like, okay, if, if people are making that decision to come out here, we're going to make sure that there is just a lot for the family, for everyone to do. We do a, also a lot of winemaker type of dinners oh, yeah. uh, on nights where people would normally be arriving, like on a Friday night if they're coming in for a weekend, and on weekdays, because of course we want to fill the room for weekday events. Uh, Charlie does a great job. We did the Around the World uh, series of dinners. There's I, I think eight, eight or ten of them or something like that. And every one of them represented a different country. Charlie, for those of people that don't know Charlie, so he was raised on a Cherokee Indian reservation. And when he was about 12 years old, his dad hit it big as an artist. Wow. And, and decided to take the family on the road to sell the artwork. Mom wasn't the best cook in the family. So the dad said, Charlie, you're going to be traveling with us. Every time we go to a new town, he's in Lima, Peru, he would take him to the nicest restaurant in Lima and say, my 12-year-old son will do whatever you want for free, but you got to show him the tricks of the trade. And he did that his early, all of his early young life. So he, he can come up with almost anything you can imagine without prejudice towards one ethnic dish or another. Yeah. Mm. That's a really special mm. education. I mean, that's not the kind of culinary education you can even buy. I mean, that is just so fantastic. Yeah, we're so happy to have been able to partner up with him. Yeah. Mm. So um, you stay here, archery, the, the electric bikes. I mean, there's really kind of something for everyone. Yeah, we, we bought these four electric bikes. They've got double batteries. They carry a big load. We put a... a bottles of wine and we put a lunch on them and we send you out for a couple of hours. So it's a two mile loop around the vineyard, but you know, you want to stop and, yeah. and have lunch. And there's quite a few places where you can stop where there's a little bit of shade or there's a nice chair or a table or a picnic table or something. And you can hang out. So what I like about a lot of these things, they're, they're very much on your own. You, you, they're, they let you explore. Yeah. We, we give you the bike and just hope you come back with it. Yeah, you. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Now, these bikes, I've never gotten on an electric bike, but they sound like a lot of fun because you don't have to pedal as much. But do they have like pedals on them at all? How does they, how uh, do they even work? Uh, of course, they do have pedals. And you can control how much power you want to supplement. Yeah. So you can put it on one where you do most of the pow- pedaling, or you can put it on eight where you don't do 10% of the pedaling. Damn. So it's, it can be almost like a motorcycle if you put it on you know maximum power. Yeah, and then just kind of move, move your legs real lightly. <laughs> like I mean, the vineyard is relatively <laughs> is flat. It's like? it's really, That's awesome. The vineyard's relatively flat, so there's not too much pedaling that goes on anyway. Are there people that like deviate and start getting in there and picking grapes and you have to regulate them or everyone no, behaves pretty good? I tell you, that's never really been a problem. Yeah. No, no. The people are really good. Mm, that's so cool. So I guess cast wine dot com cast winery what's the website that people are like they're probably thinking this right now they can get on their phone and cast wines mm-hmm. plural castwines.com and you can see all the events that are going and the really cool thing is to book a room yeah when there's tied to an event totally oh the other thing yeah so if you come in you're driving up from san diego or from a long ways away or it's just arrive late and you arrive you check in it's uh, seven o'clock the tasting room is closed you really don't want to drive into town and then drive back Charlie has put together a really high-end, elevated, European-style light dinner for people that we can bring up to your room. Oh, okay. Cool. So go to castwines.com. You can check out as far as the B&B. There's just eight rooms. So especially if you're thinking of like a big weekend for Paso, or you start thinking of like that season all summer and and fall when it's just really, really pretty here. And, you know, during harvest, I'm sure it's probably really cool to be here. The smells are great. You get to see people working the grapes. I'm sure it gets booked pretty quick. So to be honest, uh, the weekends are pretty much totally booked out the next six months. We only allow you to book out six months. Oh, I see. Okay, gotcha. So to get in, Consider weekdays. Yeah, there, consider there are weekdays available. Not a ton of them, but there yeah. are weekdays available. I think it's really cool to come out here on the weekdays if you can, if you know work and your schedule allows. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just a little bit more. It's a little bit slowed down. The tasting room is not as hammered. Yeah, so you can hang hang out without yeah. feeling like you're fighting a crowd. In, yeah, in hammered, hammered in more ways than one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't have all these good experiences. They wouldn't mm-hmm. quite be the same if you didn't have world-class gorgeous wines here and you do i've loved your wines for a long time the whites i just killed that viognier 
The wines are fantastic. Let's talk about the winemaking process and when you first met, because if you get to know Steve or uh, Steve or Ted, um, they're both very similar, but both very different. And it's so cool to see your like your relationship with each other. Uh, tell me that story in South Africa where you decided that you guys were going to pull this trigger together and start what is now just like an institution in Paso here. Uh, my wife and I uh, bought this property in, in 99, 750 acres of uh, ground squirrels and weeds. And we put the vineyard in, hired VPS and John Crossland to do that back then. And I, I was looking for a, a construction guy to build what the building we're sitting in right now. And so uh, the architect recommended a few people. I, I met with Ted, and we talked business for you know half an hour. His schedule, my schedule, budgets, all that stuff. And about that time, the guy that was the uh, was he like the way he is now? Then was he just like the same Ted? Then? More, more so. More so. Oh, big time. More wow. So. Yeah. Well, he was in his forties. Yeah. He's now he's now in his sixties. <laughs> you should have seen him back then. Good lord. <laughs> Well, that, that, if you don't know who we're talking, is like that has to be like a separate pro- podcast. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I always and say, and it might be X-rated. Yeah, <laughs> I always say Ted is like like Richard Branson and Steven Tyler from Aerosmith had a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just a live wire. He is infectious. So just to give for someone who hasn't met Ted a little bit of background, so I didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. You can go to the garbage dump with Ted and have a good time. There you go. That's perfect way to say just it. Kind of his personality. Uh-huh. So we we. Had this meeting, the guy from the vineyard comes down, and, and somehow we got into substance abuse as a conversation. And Shannon said, you know, I played football at Cal Poly. I could never do anything. So I, I was totally clean all through college. And Ted says, oh, I used to love framing when I was stoned. <laughs> Shannon looks at Ted and says, aren't you trying to get Steve to hire you to build this building? <laughs> Ted looks at me and says, oh, no, partner. That was like 20 years ago. Not, not anymore. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I love it. I love that it. That was back in 2002. Yeah. Or actually, earlier than that, it was 2000. And that was when Bill Clinton was saying, I did not have sex with that woman with yeah. his finger pointing at the camera. Sure. Yeah, yeah I did not mm-hmm. inhale. Yeah. So I called my wife that night on the drive home. I said, we're going to hire the most honest person I think I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you tell somebody that when you're interviewing for a job? <laughs> right. But thus a great relationship mm-hmm. was born. And you're in South Africa. And so I, I bought a, um, a barrel of wine at a charity auction from uh, Fairview Wines in Parle, South Africa. And uh, the sales rep was the nephew of, of the founder. And he would come to California every once in a while on a sales trip. We'd invite him to sit, stay at our house. We got to be friendly with him. He says, so Steve, when are you going to turn this barn into a tasting room? And I told him, well, wait and see, maybe someday later. So you ought to come to South Africa. My uncle will show you how we make wine. So I mentioned this to Ted one day when we were playing golf. He says, Steve, you and I, we should go. We should go to South Africa. We'll play golf every morning. We'll go wine tasting every afternoon. That's easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> You're not married. Right. <laughs> so the running joke in the winery is, you know, I've been married 40 years. And I say, well, Ted's been married 40 years too, but it's just been four different women. <laughs> <laughs> It's a slight exaggeration, but... Right, right, sure. But it's, it's, so, it's still funny. Make, makes for a good story. Right. So, so, so he and I went. Yeah. And we played golf, golf every morning. And Charles Back from Fairview Wines in uh, Parle, South Africa, he spent two full days with us. Showed us every vineyard. Showed us every winemaking technique. And at the end of the week... We're sitting in a nice little bistro uh, in the harbor overlooking Cape Town, getting ready to get on the flight the next day. And Ted says, did you ever think about opening a winery? I said, well, maybe. I want to see how the vineyard goes. Give it a little bit more time. And then the bill shows up, and it's like 500 rand. I go, rand. Let's see, rand is like 11 to the, oh, $47. Garcon. Yeah. <laughs> Another bottle. <laughs> and then at that point, Ted says, that's just you and I. We'll be partners. Just the guys. We'll start a winery, and I'll help you sell wine. And that's how it got going. Wow. And then that was almost 20 years ago. It was almost exactly 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So you're about to celebrate your 20th anniversary? Or uh, did we just have it? Well, it took a couple of years. To okay. Re- we had totally built this building out and go through the whole permitting process. Right. So we opened in, in May of 2005. Okay. So we're at 21 years now. So we're on. Wow. That's so cool. And um, the wines here, like we said, are just spectacular. Sterling is a great winemaker and, you know, we've interviewed him a bunch on the air and, you know, we have the Central Coast Wine Competition out here. Now it spans through 10 California counties. Awesome. And it's it's growing and you guys just 
keep kicking ass every time you stick your wines in there. But what's so interesting about uh, Sterling is his first year, because you had a great winemaker before, uh, but Sterling, um, and we got to interview him, we enjoyed him a lot. Sterling came in here, he wanted to put, because uh, a lot of these wineries, they may put one in their best one, they, what they think is their best one, the one they want to get the most play out of and traction on. But Sterling's like, I want to put them all in. And when you become winery of the year, it's like it, it's actually harder to get winery of the year if the more wines you put in because they have to do well. Yeah, you have to put in a minimum of five. He put in 14 wines. Damn. And if two or three of them don't get a score, it brings down your average score. A lot, so it's yeah. all about your average score. So ideally, I mean, if you're just a, a math person, you say put in your best five. Sure. That's your done. He put in 14. <laughs> Man. Well, it's got to feel good when you do that and... It's a, it's a good barometer of where you guys sit and where you guys stand, you know, with, with the way you're farming, with the way you're making wines, and with the way you're making relationships with people. When you're at home, what is the, the cast wine that you may go to first out of your cellar and pull out? Or is it just like it's all, there's always something, it doesn't matter? Well, as you can imagine, I get asked that a lot. Yeah. So I'm not, I, I, I like rosé, but it's not my favorite, even though we have one of the best rosés in the state and yeah. is judged by that rosé competition up in Napa where we were best in class. Sweet. But, I'm drinking it right now. But me, me personally, I'm just not a big rosé drinker or a, um, a late harvest drinker. But I'll start off with the whites. I'll drink through all the whites, hit the rosé, and then go on to the reds. So by the end of the night, I'm on the high-end reds. Yeah. But I, I, I would honestly say I drink almost all of them equally. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Now, another thing that's really cool about you, Steve, is you are definitely... Your feet are, are deep into the community here. Uh, we've worked together on um, the Paso Pops, which was a July 4th extravaganza that was only getting bigger and better and more grand. And then, of course, COVID, you know, kind of pulled the reins on that thing. I'm curious where you think this July may take us or what the future is for Paso Pops. And, uh, and then we'll talk about things. I know the Paderewski Festival is super important to you. So you really have made and staked your claim on a lot more than just what your property can offer you and other people. Yeah, Paso Pops was, was my um, hallucination or brainstorm, <laughs> depending on how you want to think about it. <laughs> um, the idea was we're going to bring the San Luis Obispo Symphony uh, over the grade. We're going to offer uh, wines from all the wineries here in Paso Robles. We're going to get fireworks, and, and, and it was a lot of fun. We did it for two years at the Paso Robles Horse Park. We did it two years at the Mid-State Fairgrounds. The problem was it's an expensive show to put on. Yeah. It was like $200,000 to put it on. And we could come up with about $100,000 in ticket sales, and all the rest had to come from the generosity of sponsors. Yeah. And it was, was kind of hard to make up that difference. Sure. So over four years, we kind of broke even, mm -hmm. but we always had pretty good weather. So my, our fear became 40% uh, of our ticket sales were walk-up. So what if it's 106 degrees on the day of the event? Right. And the walk-up goes away, mm -hmm. we'd get crushed. Sure. So that we pulled it not because of the virus. We actually pulled it before the virus. Really? Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. Was that a hard decision? Very hard. Yeah, but that, hard. did that hurt a little bit inside? Big time. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I had massive dreams for it. <laughs> sure. No, and I, I loved, I mean, the feeling. Mm -hmm. Look, at, I remember uh, someone on your team hooked me up with the Slow Symphony, and I got to direct mm -hmm. the freaking cannons when they went off in the 1812 overture and i'm holding the conductor little chopstick thing that they do and i got these you know young men and women uh, that serve our country See, these are real military people and real cannons yeah i was talking to one of the sergeants yeah and i said tell me what kind of target could you hit from here and we're at the horse park yeah as well see that coastal range which i guess is about 20 miles away yeah and see that that white building near the top you know, with a good spotter, I could hit it. That's incredible. <laughs> These are real cannons. But and, and the ground shook. I don't think that mm. I felt that kind of patriotism, which mm. is a feeling that I, I love. Mm. I don't think I felt that since like, you know, unfortunately like 9-11. Mm. But when I was up there and I was up conducting this thing and I'm watching this, this you know, serviceman. He's got his little girl on his lap near a can and this other gentleman is like taking orders from me, which felt weird. And like we're launching cannons to the, the big booms of the 1812 Overture. I'm like, damn, we live in a great country. Like, this is the <laughs> coolest thing ever. So, so I would love to figure out a way where we can bring this back because it was just so cool. Well, the Boston Pops, just for example, yeah. it was uh, sponsored by Liberty Mutual. And they had a three-year contract. And Liberty Mutual contributed $21 million <sighs> towards that over three years. So yeah. $7 million a year. So... But, we of need course, to but of course, that's a super, super big metropolitan area. Yeah. Super big city. We're, we're a fairly small area. So there's 
not quite enough corporate horsepower. Sure, that's a good way to put uh, it. Yeah. Well, let's. Um, if you ever need to get back to the drawing board, I'm certainly there with you, and I back you up 100. percent I thought if somebody that, put their hand up, I would jump into it again. That brainchild of yours was mm-hmm. just so awesome, and it was so community-like. Uh, Paderewski Festival. We talked about uh, Ignacia Paderewski with my conversation uh, with Jordan Fiorentini from Epic. Uh, Joel Peterson has uh, been with the Paderewski Festival, and and I know even when I did one of my first Cork Dorks episodes with you years ago in the other room across uh, the building here, uh, you had a statue of Paderewski. I know that mm-hmm. festival and that um, organization was also close to your heart. Yeah, and it's still operating. We ended up having to do this year's festival uh, via like Zoom mm-hmm. on- online. I know. But we're, we're planning to do it real time again and bring it back to cool. real life. Yeah. And it'll be in the fall. We're actually talking to Mosaic about partnering with them and at least uh, co-marketing, if nothing else. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Well, if you haven't been out to Cass, again, it's a destination. Look it up. Um, I like to take the 41. If I'm coming from slow to pass, so I get off the 41, I'm here in you know, 12, 13 minutes. It is not too far. It's a beautiful drive. And when you're here, it's just like, you just want to stay a while, you know? And whether that means I mean, you've always been probably one of the more progressive places when it comes to food, like you've always had really high-end food out here, but super approachable food in the same way. So maybe it's some kind of sandwich thing, but it's it's just high-end. It tastes good. It's, it's reasonably priced. It, it is cafe, to be honest, right. but, but it's very high-end cafe. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The mm-hmm. wines here kick ass, but again, always been approachable. They're not really out of many people you know, level. If you're coming out here, I mean, it's, you, you got to take some of these home. And really, I would say get into that B&B because what a cool experience. It's super awesome experience. Oh, one thing we're working on, this is the future. I was going to ask you, what's next? We're going to put in a pool. Shut up. We're, we're thinking 20 feet by 40 feet. Yeah. It's going to have a, a container on the end and you're going to have a swim up wine bar. Shut in, up. Into the container. No way. Into the container. Mm. That's uh, and, and the container, it's a 40-foot container, yeah. so there'll be a swim-up bar and a portion of it and a spa in the rest of it. So you can get the ped- pedicure, you can get the uh, massage, you can get the facial thing going on. You guys are never at, done brainstorming. At, at the, at the swim-up bar. Yeah. Chanda, this must be crazy if you're like, I got to keep up with all these crazy minds here. I don't know Whoa. if I'm keeping up with her. Or she's <laughs> keeping up with me. <laughs> when do we, when am I swimming up at the, at the swim up bar? When can I do this? Well, we have to go through the minor use permit. Okay. So we think so that. probably by 2034. Well, <laughs> for us, for the construction part of it, it yeah. might be best to do it during the winter when things are a little bit slower on weekdays. Yeah. So I'm thinking all the construction is probably 30 to 60 days, maybe November, December. So we're open in the spring. Oh, summer of next maybe year. a year ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe a year from now. Yeah, a little bit less than a year. That is yeah. so mm-hmm. incredible. Well, it's going to be fun. That'll be a whole new thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is already so much to talk about with Cass. You just have to come and be a part of it. And what's so cool is like you come out, you feel it, you feel a part of it, and you leave like an extended family member here. Mm-hmm. You know, just you, and that's what's so cool. Like I showed up here, and this is what's so cool about Paso, Steve, but it's what's so cool about you and Cass wines and that's like i showed up here and you knew this this interview was you're behind the tasting room bar you were mm-hmm. you're helping some people tasting i mean this mm-hmm. is just very passo and i know that you really get a kick out of that too i also dig out the septic system yeah. paint, paint the end post and <laughs> i love it so um passo really has changed a lot over the years it's got to be really cool to see what has become of like downtown a far out wineries like this and and the like yeah when we opened um 2005 the taste room i think there's like five or six wineries in our quadrant of town yeah and we formed this little backroads uh marketing unit before wine trail yeah before social media it was more about just a printed map yeah uh but now there's like 25 wineries just in our little section of town so we're we we had planned a backroads tasting event Mm -hmm. then the virus hit right and, and it died yeah so we'll reopen that and start i so look forward to reopening to a large group events again and you guys kill at them you guys are so good at them i mean like the dinners the trips around the world whether they got food or they're doing ted's tacos you know and it's funny when you talked about the pool i thought of like you know your ted wines and how you have that like kind of silk screen you know thing of ted's face i think of that should be like at the bottom of the pool That's a great idea. I know. I, 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 could, I just totally see that, like, you know, moving that with might the water. Be morbid if he passes away at some yeah. point, though, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, we're burying him in below the pool anyway, so. 
or at the taco bar, spread his ashes over the taco bar. Had we'll, we'll sprinkle his ashes on the tacos. Oh, Ted, Steve, this is so fun. Cast wines, come out here and uh, meet these folks. Check out the B and B and all the different things that got going on castwines.com I mean shoot you and I could we've done this so many times that we could do this for another couple hours I never get sick of talking to you man I really you know, appreciate one, you one thing to remind your listeners Please. about hardly any taste rooms that I, I'm aware of were on a reservation system before the virus uh, but then now with the virus I think almost everybody is on some kind of reservation system, including us. You're right. And we were maybe one of the slower ones to adopt because everybody would come out at lunch hour and our 25 tables, because we're not allowed indoors, would all be taken. And we'd say, well, I'm sorry, but you know, tables are taken. But if you want to get on the waiting list, you can. But sometimes the waiting list would be like an hour, an hour and a half, yeah. but only between 12 and 2 because everybody showed up at lunchtime. So now almost everybody, including ourselves, we're on talk. Uh, so now you can look and say, oh, everything is booked 12 to 2, so you can come in at 11 or 3 or 4 or 5. So we're equally busy all day long, and we incorporated an overflow area. So if you are not aware that convers- uh, reservations are an important part of getting a table, you show up, we'll put you out at T- Ted's Taco Bar, and we'll give you a table or a chair and tables out there, and we'll sell you a bottle or sell you a glass, and we hired a team of chefs, barbecue chefs, people like specialize in barbecue. They did like $4,000 in barbecue sales out at Ted's Taco Bar, completely separate from the tasting room. Wow. <laughs> so you're taking care of those people. So, I mean, that, yeah. that's 100 people we might have had to turn away otherwise. Great way. Keep yeah, them uh-huh. here. Yeah. Keep them here. Make them part of the family. Awesome. Did you have fun chatting with me? I love always. This always. is always so much fun chatting with you, Steve. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cast Wines. Cheers. And we're Wine Kicks, yeah. Many thanks to Steve Cass. Next time, we got to get Steve with Ted because they are great together. Check them out. You will not be disappointed and you will have a time, I promise you, that you will never forget. Our next stop, which is only like seven minutes away from Cass, is Rava Wines. They specialize in sparkling, but Chad Rava comes from a farming family, so when he farms grapes for wine, he knows exactly what he's doing and exactly what he wants. He's farmed like three dozen different types of grapes for wine, so the selection at Rava, they got something for everyone. They're sparkling, they're still wines. I love their Cabernet. It is good, and they're a super nice couple. They possess a style and really a coolness that I always like to be around, but they're so welcoming and disarming. It's always a comfortable hang. I swear, also, it is never a bad day here at Rava. Like where they are, the breeze is always good. The sun is always shining down on you in just the right way. We're on the back patio enjoying some bubbles. Now, I've talked to Lauren a few times and I've always loved her company, but I've only had the opportunity to talk to Chad once on the air in the studio, so I'm thrilled he's going to be hanging with us as well. So give me that moonshine, woogie bow, we bounce on round till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Cheers, Rava family. Cheers. I love this. Good to see you both. Good to see you again. I love, I get to catch up with Lauren here and there. I, I think I've only had Chad in the studio once, so it's really cool to catch up with you, my man. Oh, thank you. It's, it's been a while. It has been a while. It's good to see you here. It's good for you to be here. Lauren, Chad, thank you for having me here. Thank you for coming. It is a beautiful day. It is. In Paso. If you haven't been to Rava yet, I mean, it's a sprawling, beautiful setup and I, I mean these guys have really staked their claim on on the bubbles and you guys have you have a whole bubbles tasting here yes we do we currently have five on our tasting menu um, a sparkling brute a sparkling muscat canali sparkling blanc de noir which is what we're having today mm-hmm. a sparkling nocturne which is chardonnay pinot noir pinot grigio albarino gruner veltliner and a sparkling grenache rosé which is grown here in paso robles so many cool things chad and i know that you are a big farmer and you know all about this stuff there's so many grapes so many different varieties that grow so damn well here in paso currently i'm growing 32 different varieties and so right now, I think in the winery, I think I have 14 different sparklings. We just haven't released them all yet. Is that right? Yeah. There's some cool ones coming out, but we'll hold on to that one. Do you, later. what's what's great about you guys is that a lot of folks, if you have a favorite winery and they have started in the last few years doing a sparkling wine, there is a good chance that they are making that sparkling wine here at Rava, which is awesome. Do you as a winemaker have a preference to make sparkling or still? Is there one that's more fun or more rewarding for you, Chad? That's a good question. 
I like sparkling personally. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's as a farmer, yeah. it's a less pain in the ass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lauren? Are there, is there this, the, his stills or his bubbles? That, I know you love bubbles though. Yeah. I find making sparkling wine method champenoise a lot more challenging than traditional winemaking. And so that's been really cool. And I also like the opportunity to work with a whole bunch of different winemakers in the area. That's a rare opportunity. We often stay in our own yeah. homes and not, you know, collaborate and work together. So it's great to collaborate. One yeah. thing that you're seeing happen more and more with the sparkling chat are pet nets. Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of like, a, it's kind of the old, old school way of making wine, like mm-hmm. primary fermentation in the bottle. Have you ever thought of uh, flirting with a pet net? Uh, not after spending all this money on this equipment that I've got. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right, huh? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, not really. I mean, even just because the trend of it or like it's kind of cool now or... Or even just like you ever thought about making a you know couple few cases just to try it or see what you oh, your hand. We could we could say we have a couple of cases that uh, didn't get co- properly disgorged. That yeah, there. <laughs> there you go. That's your pet now. <laughs> that's, that's it. So fourteen different bubbles here. You got over thirty different types of varieties. I think there's probably. I mean, how many would you say grow in Paso? Well, like maybe forty, forty-five. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I mean, you're growing most of them. It depends on who you talk to. Be yeah, all, be all the reds here. Uh-huh. Majority of my whites come out of Monterey County. But I do have a couple of whites here that we're playing with. But like our Grenache Noir comes from here that uh, I'm really happy with. That's been a big hit here. But uh, all, yeah, no, a lot of varieties grow well here. Now, on this episode, we really wanted to get out just how heightening that experience. I mean, because maybe, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you'd show up to Paso, you'd belly up to a bar, probably pay no tasting fee, and then walk away with the glass, you know, this little teeny glass kind of thing. It was, But the, the vibe here has changed so much. And like we were talking off the air right before we jumped on, I mean, you got between 350 and 400 bonded wineries in this AVA. And there is just this this consumer, this customer who wants to do more than just hit up the bar for another tasting. You really got to offer a lot more these days, huh? Mm-hmm. It's the experience. They want, they're going to come out to a tasting room. They, they need to have an experience, whether it be food, scenery, music. There's just so much that the consumer wants nowadays, and I feel that we need to provide that. How do you kind of sit with Lauren and the team and go, okay, this is where we want to put our focus. This is what we want to do. Uh, my wife always wants to strangle me because I start one project and I can't stop myself from starting another. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. No, we got, like I was telling you earlier, I, it's just been down for almost a year I uh, played with a lot of things, and I cut a walking path through the vineyard down to the creek to where people can experience walking through the vineyard on more of an intimate level, not just walking down a, vi- you know, a right. road and looking down the end post. Yeah. You're smack dab in the middle of the vineyard, and it's all smart dice, and so you won't be able to see. It's sort of like a maze. You won't be able to see where you're going. That's cool. And it's all said and done. And, uh, you know, picnics. You know, they take a picnic, and we're soon to have a little bit of a light show down there. A light show. Yeah, this sounds new. Is this one of the? <laughs> this is, yeah. Are these one of these ideas where Lauren, you're like, uh oh, Chad, where are we going with this? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the light show. What are we doing? Well, my house sits up here above the the winery. It looks down, and I wanted to look down, and like I was thinking to myself, like Fourth of July, we can't have fireworks, but it would be cool. And it's like being able to see red, white, and blue, you know, lights. Yeah. Well, I, I bought a bunch of LED lights and tried to light up some oak trees and. Yeah, I couldn't see anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, okay, we need bigger lights. We need better lights. Right. So got some lights coming from Germany, and it'll sync to music, 26 different colors, and we'll lighten up some oak trees. And wow. And so it'll be uh, pretty cool. And be able to sync up with music, and if we have a, a live guitarist or somebody playing, it'll sync up, and it's going to be different. It's going to be very different. I, mean, I don't know if anybody's doing anything like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, li- I like to think of, uh, we always like to do things different yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think this year with last year with covid and this year moving forward we're just focusing on outdoor events and we have the luxury of all the space so we still are able to host a lot of live music events and live events including weddings due to the new state guidelines yeah let's talk about the how we're moving forward because this is just a premier event space i mean it is beautiful i've been to you know new year's eve here you do weddings special events you got plenty of room to do it all um how are we moving forward with events and are you starting to book things like that like weddings things like that yeah two weeks ago we got the guidance from the state so we've been moving forward very very busy with people wanting to make up for lost celebrations or move forward with their weddings and get planning we'll be holding off on large indoor events until we're told we're able to so probably stay tuned for 2022 
on the larger ticketed concerts and events inside. But um, we do have some really cool music coming to the patio, free or general admission shows this summer. Tell them a little bit about Allie Colleen. <laughs> she's got a very famous dad. I can't say who her dad is, but say he's very famous. Yeah. <laughs> she's uh, quite talented herself, and she's making a name for herself. So her and uh, she, she's a Nashville recording artist. Yeah. And she, her and another artist are coming out for uh, May 19th. They'll play out here in the back patio. And then we have an 80s band for Saturday during Wine Festival, you know. Fun. And then, uh, yeah, Blood Brothers on Sunday. I mean, music has always been a really, really big thing for you guys. I yeah. mean, I know you guys have some connections, too, with folks in the music biz. And, I mean, July, uh, July what am I saying, July 4th? New Year's Day. New Year's Eve. The New yeah. Year's Eve party. That did not disappoint. No. That was incredible. Yeah. That was so much fun. But the music is really close to you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always been one yeah. of our main goals is to yeah. mix Entertain. Give the people what they want. They want to be entertained because that's what I want. Yeah. You know? It's funny because I worked for AgriGlobe, which uh, I managed all the stuff for Vina Robles and they're in that, that site where their amphitheater is and all that. I was one that found on that property. And I got, really? Yeah, I got that deal for them. Started in, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I worked for them for eight years, eight, nine years. And uh, right out of college, I went to work for them. And so planted the majority of their vineyards. And, and it was one of those things where it's like, dude, amphitheater, dang, I wish I was involved. You know, and it's yeah. like a couple of years later, yeah, we started our own thing. So that's pretty cool. cool. It is cool. And you kind of, you went with the inside because you got some beautiful inside space. Oh, yeah, no. That was, uh, well, my wife, Lauren, and I got married next door at my dad's. and That was 2010. And, uh, we paid for our own wedding, and I said, "Oh, this wedding thing's a racket. We need to." <laughs> <laughs> and we had this facility, and it was a, the 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 barn was a 176 stall horse barn, and it was our open arena, and now it's a event center, a winery. How did you guys come to Paso? I mean, obviously you've been in ag, and you've been a farmer for a long time, Chad. How did you both find Paso? Oh wow, my parents moved here when I was in second grade oh, okay so First you grew grade. up here i grew up here. oh shoot i didn't know that yeah. awesome okay yeah no i've grown up here i graduated paso high in 91 cal poly in 96 and uh did you always know that you wanted to get into farming or did, and, and winemaking and the whole thing no you know what well, my family's vegetable farming mm-hmm. and i was going in the vegetable direction and uh got a job out of college doing grapes and uh in the vegetable deal it's year-round you know, we go from Salinas Valley down to Arizona, so it's 365 days a year. And, hey, growing grapes, you have a little bit of a holiday. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So <laughs> I stuck with that. So, yeah, so my family still got vegetable or uh, grapes up in Monterey County that way I farm still, too. So, yeah, it makes everything. So how many different places of earth are you kind of working with now? Here in Paso, then in Monterey County, there by in San Lucas, a King City area. Yeah. Just there. That's it. Growing some cooler temperature stuff there? Yep. The All the whites come from there. Pinot Noirs are red. Uh-huh. Only red that we grow. Start, start an experiment with some Senso. Ooh. And, uh, I love Senso. Yeah. We is that a cooler them. temperature grape or is that a war? Is that up there? Yeah. That's, cool. a, that's an up there one? Yeah. Yeah. I, do I, I did plant a little bit here just to see what the difference would be. Yeah. Yeah. Were there any grapes that you planted here and you're like, oh, no, no, just, I just don't think it, maybe that was one of them or, or it just didn't work here. And then, you know, conversely, were there any ones where you're like, I'm just going to try it. And then it just is like a home run. Oh man. The one that I'm really happy with is probably the Grenache Noir. Yeah. I really, you know, we have to, you have to taste the new sparkling Grenache. Cool. It's, uh, I'm down. It's, it's really good. That's my favorite. Is it really? Yeah, I'm allergic. I'm allergic to brewer's yeast and beer. So uh-huh. I can't drink beer, and that's my beer. That's your beer. <laughs> that's my that's my go-to. Yeah. So, uh, Lauren, talk about how the tastings go down here. Somebody obviously we're probably by appointment, or, or can we walk in, or what? Yeah, all of our tastings are currently by appointment only on Talk via our website, and you can choose between a sparkling flight and a still flight. So there's really something for everyone, even though most people think of us as a sparkling house. Yeah. So right now in our still flight, we have a, an Albarino, a Grenache Rosé, uh, Italian Red Blend, a Cabernet, and a Zinfandel. Ooh. So we recently actually just got a 90 in wine enthusiast for our cab, and that was our first score we've ever submitted for. That's cool. Good for you. Yeah, it's grown right here on the ranch, estate grown, um, just a stone's throw away from the wine. Oh, we're going to start sending more in now, huh? 
Me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not big on scores. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there are 307 wineries or whatever in Paso Robles. And, hey, everybody's got a Cabernet. So let's just see how ours. Yeah. yeah. So. We really enjoyed it. So we just wanted to see where we kind of yeah. stacked up there. Yeah. Is there, when you think of like, you know, writers and scores mm-hmm. versus like competitions, is there one that for you feels like it weighs heavier or, or maybe moves more bottles or, or everyone kind of looks at it in their own way they're a little differently? I say this is all very new to us, that world. Yeah. So we're learning. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Congrats, though. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's funny. It's like, I was just thinking to myself, it's like, the reason why I don't like scores is I rodeoed the majority of my life. And you get scores in the in the rough stock events and all that kind of stuff. It's all perception. Yeah. And I like being a timey because, hey, times tell who's the best. Right. And so it's just one of those feelings I have about getting scores I just never really liked being judged yeah no I get it because you know when you're on the the, like you said the time you can't it's not subjective yes it's 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 representative. It's what happens. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so true. That's a good point. So, I mean, for special events, we're obviously booking weddings. What kind of special events are we into? Um, we are booking weddings into 2023 right now. Oh my gosh. Just crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, our wine club events, when we do roll out our concerts, our ticketed concerts, they'll be focused on our wine club first. So they'll have exclusivity to get tickets right away. We're working with a couple of big names I can't speak of mm-hmm. yet, but we'll announce those soon on our website. All these secrets. And I got to know these names. I got to know who the dad was of the, of the gal. Yes. I'll send you an email. Yeah, there you go. Maybe off the air. Yeah, we'll... And then people can pester you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, we've just been focusing on smaller birthday parties and groups of people that we're allowed to have right now. Yeah. We can have up to 50. Okay, cool. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. It's cool to see things starting to... Totally. You know, really open up and it's just been, now this has been an, an interesting year and I know that a lot, I feel like I talked to a lot of wineries and, you know, besides not being able to have events and things like that, and you guys really excel at that, that, you know, you guys have that real tight relationship with your consumers. A lot of wineries, you know, they did, they did okay because people needed to drink wine still. No, we definitely had our loyal fans that stuck yeah. with us and brought people in and we were able to accommodate with our large outdoor spaces it's and so, follow yeah. the, the CDC guidelines. So that was great for us. Yeah. Kind of did. A lot of people in California are just now rediscovering things in their backyard and things that they hadn't noticed before because they were traveling overseas or out of state. Right. So we definitely see a lot more domestic travel within California. Mm-hmm. It was cool when Audrey and I think it was probably what, yeah. maybe last? It was summer? like last. No. Yeah, maybe like last fall. And just to be out here and like, you know, you feel good because it's outside. You're not stressing out. You're far distant from everybody. But I know folks like you guys have had to really, you know, mind all these P's and Q's and cross your T's, mm-hmm. dot your I's, dress the right way. And then, you know, there's some people that aren't. So <laughs> that makes it harder for you or for the folks that are, yes. you know, so, um, but it's just cool to, to be back here and see a little bit more guy, uh, what you guys are, are getting into for 2021 and beyond. And of course the events are going to be a huge thing. And I would just encourage folks to get to ravawines.com because that's where you're going to like check out like the, the concerts and these guys got the music plugged in and ravawines.com is the website. Any other little teases to what, what is coming up next, Chad? Maybe some other wines you're playing with, maybe some, uh, well, we're soon little nuggets. Have, we're going to release a uh we ran a new vintage of Gruner Veltliner that we haven't had on the menu for That's a, a fun one. few years, and an Albarino. That and those are coming out here very soon. You don't see a lot of Gruner in Paso, do you? No, I don't. I tell you the truth. That's the first. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have forty-one acres of it in Monterey County. Wow. Yeah. And, okay, because uh, that's a cool temperature weather. Right. Got and, it. Got it. And there's a big push right now for organic, and that's a that's been a real big challenge for me because. That's where the market's at right now is organic. And so we're slowly diversing ourselves into organic. We got SIP certified as well in 2020, which was a huge, huge uh, thing for us to get done. Yeah, we just did our Earth Day show and we had Beth from the Vineyard team and talking about some of the different kinds of farming. I mean, how has that been? Is that that a tough transition? Is it a pain in the ass of a transition, but worth it or what? It's the organic wise of it. It's really expensive. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is, you know, some of these chemicals we can't do, don't use anymore. And you know that I've got cancer. Mm-hmm. And what do they want to contribute to, you know, some of the, the herbicide use to them, to my cancer. And so back in 2013, all my employees, you know, I got cancer, got non-Hodges lymphoma. And I felt, well, you know what, as a responsibility, I need to, all my guys don't need to be using this chemical either. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just took that right off the, the table. Yeah. And so now it's more... Um, organic-based and eco-friendly uh, 
fungicides and herbicides are used. So really, we've been doing it since 2013, but yeah. it's now officially on paper, which is really cool. That is cool. And like you said, you know, a lot of these people who want to source your fruit, that's, I mean, the buyer is, is into that now. Oh, yeah. You can't even, yeah, I couldn't even sold fruit last year if I wasn't SIP certified, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, I guess that, you know, the more those thoughtful, deliberate moves you make towards the farming and makes for, you know, a better wine and a better experience, everyone feels better about it. And like you said, you know, especially when there's other brands getting your fruit, they're feeling better about it. So definitely make, making that move makes sense. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to see what is coming up next with you guys because the, the vibe here is so much fun. I love the bubbles. I know I'm going to get into that cab in a second. Bravowines.com. Thank you guys so much for having me and hanging out again. It's just like, it's always a beautiful day with a light breeze and sunny where yeah. you guys are. It is always, I don't know if it's just you guys that bring it, but it's like always pretty here. So thank you so much for having me. Cheers, guys. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is Camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Thanks to Chad and Lauren Rava for their time and those fantastic wines. Two great conversations that show a lot more Paso has to offer far beyond the tasting room. Earlier, I mentioned our Wine Fest auction, May 10th through 16th. You got to check out the lots. You got to get to it. PasoWine.com. Some really incredible stuff. And I'll put the link in the show notes here so you could check it out quickly. There is also a Geneseo retreat lot for the auction, which includes cast wines and the B&B we talked about. So get on that. PasoWine.com. And remember, May 10th through 16th, our auction for Paso Wine Fest. Now, WineFest itself begins May 20th through the 23rd, and although we won't be in the park for a big gathering for obvious reasons, we have a lot more ways to have you celebrate and have some fun, some winery events, some dinners, and more. Go to PasoWine.com, get the latest before your next trip out. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson for Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo, who is just killing it by the way, with all this auction stuff behind the scenes so it goes smoothly for you. She is working hard along with the whole Paso Wine team. Where Wine Takes You is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Next time you're cruising around the Central Coast, check me out on your radio, or you can stream from anywhere. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, weekday mornings, Coast 104.5, and the wine stuff, the cork dorks, on Wine Country Radio, the Crush 92.5. You can stream that, crush925.com. Again, PastelWine.com for any and all things before your next trip. Wine Fest is coming, and I am so excited. Also excited for these next few episodes. We have some good stuff coming down the pike. Follow me on Insta, at Adam on the Air, for some behind the scenes from the pod and maybe some hints as to what's coming up. Paso is a one-of-a-kind area, and I love sharing it with you. I love connecting and hearing from you, where wine takes you. Cheers. And give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass all around till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify, good company. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass all around till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify, good company. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass all around till the job is Camped out in the trees who will simplify and good company.